Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 23 of the Completed Podcast, where we talk everything Magic the Gathering related with a focus on competitive magic with some friendly banter along the way. Today, we're thrilled to introduce you guys to an incredibly talented and accomplished player in the Magic community. He's known as an MTGO grinder and is actually a showcase champion as well. This is someone who has spent countless hours mastering the art of magic and has emerged as one of the game's top players. When it comes to magic, he is truly a force to be reckoned with, and we are honored to have him join us on today's episode. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn from one of the very best in the business. This is The Completed Podcast, and this is our guest, Nick Strad. Go ahead and uh, you know introduce yourself. When did you start playing magic, and uh, what, what particularly got you into magic? Um, yeah, cool. Um, so I'm... I'm Inixtrad on Twitter, Inixtrad on Magic Online, but I'm you know, my name is Nicholas Price. You can call me Nick. I'm a competitive Magic player from the Philippines, um, and I've been playing Magic since college. I learned in in 2010. My first set was um, was Mirrored and Besiege, and my first pre-release was New Phyrexia. So um, some of my friends in a in a club I had joined uh, had been playing Magic casually since i guess the early 2000s when they were in, in in high school or whatever and they started playing casual games in our in our club room and i just got super interested in it because i had collected pokemon cards as a kid but never really had anyone to to play with so yeah i mean i i love the art uh you know very i was very into into that type of thing like fantasy you know all that sort of the goblins wizards like stuff like that so i I just got very into it very quickly um i I mostly play just very casually until i you know i took a couple of breaks until about i want to say 2013 or 2014 and i you know my 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 girlfriend she she moved to canada for a year and I hadn't been playing at all for about a year since since I met her pretty much, and I figured, hey, you know what? What if I just picked up Magic again because I I really I don't really have anything to do. So I was working at the time, <laughs> had a bit more money, you know, to spend on actual standard decks and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, from from about 2013, 2014, I've been playing Magic competitively. Um, was not very good. Was like honestly pretty awful uh, until about. 2018, uh, 2017, 2018. That's that's when I actually installed Magic Online for the first time, and that I mean, like that's, that's going to be possibly a theme through this through this interview. Where I'm going to talk about how awesome Magic Online is and how it's just basically the <laughs> the best way to improve at Magic. No, that's yeah. I mean, is this, is this a is this your honest opinion or is this? <laughs> oh, 100. I am. Okay, I am, okay, cool. I am Team Magic Online. Like I. I'm I'm never gonna say that like there's any like any way to play magic is bad. Like if you wanna play arena, that's awesome. Like I play arena. Uh I hate paper magic personally. Like I, I really dislike going to tournaments and actually playing magic with physical cards, but that's it's it's the way most people wanna play. But I am a diehard magic online grinder. And wow. I, I owe most I owe most of my success to just you know, sitting down and playing hours on Magic Online, playing with the best players and just learning from there. For sure. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. I didn't know if you like played in paper much or if you were just strictly online. That's, that's yeah. I mean, that, oh, go ahead. No, no, you're fine. That that's actually a really good point, and um, I don't think a lot of people actually talk about that very often. 
a lot of people tend to think that paper magic is like the way to play magic right but you you also like of course if you know if you want to queue for events and stuff you got to play paper magic right um unless you're like strictly online but I, I think it's super cool that you're on the side of yeah magic online's awesome when a lot of the like online sentiment is that you know moto kind of sucks but <laughs> you you actually make a good point that that's where all a lot of the best players actually play and I'm just curious on on your thoughts on maybe why Moto is so hyper competitive. Do you just think it's because it's easy access, or or what do you think? So I mean, you guys know you guys know about Budakov, the the Magic Online grinder, like one yeah. of the 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 greatest Magic Online players of all time. Like he yes, he's he lives as far as I know. I don't know if this is an urban legend or it's just the lore. He, he lives in Siberia, and. He lives in the, in a remote location, not a lot of paper magic around, so he just grinds magic online. And um, this is something that I talked about on Twitter and stuff, and and, and uh, you know some other platforms where where being from the Philippines, it's it's a little bit difficult to qualify for big tournaments like the Pro Tour or the Set Championships back you know back during the pandemic. So I, I'm kind of in in a similar spot where if I wanted to have a good chance of qualifying for anything. It pretty much had to be um, on Magic Online. Um, so, it, in the Philippines, like pre pre twenty twenty, we had about like one to three players who would be at any pro tour. So, um, and and my goal, um, ever since I, I I wanted to be competitive, is like I I don't just want to you know play Magic and paper and win local events. Like if I'm gonna play Magic, I want to qualify for the pro tour, do all of that stuff. So I actually qualified for my first uh, Pro Tour or Mythic Championship through Magic Online. It was a it was an online RPTQ. So oh, sick. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people, especially in North America and Europe, are going to have an easier time, or they're going to have more opportunities qualifying for for the Pro Tour through Paper Magic, and that's fine. But for you know, for someone from from this region, Southeast Asia. Magic Online is pretty much the the most realistic way to be able to get a qualification. I will say that now, since Magic Online, uh, uh, like super qualifiers, do not qualify for the actual Pro Tour, but they qualify for the regional championship instead. It gets yeah. a bit different now, but um, you know, I I still play most of my Magic on on Modo. Yes. So I, I know that you did you attend the like the RC for your guys's region in paper recently? Yeah. Okay. Yep. I I mean I, I wasn't at the I wasn't at the last one. Um okay. I, I I top eighted the the second regional championship, which that was actually in, in the Philippines, yeah. And that qualified me for the Pro Tour. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to make it to the last two Pro Tours due to the visa issues. Um so Wizards has kindly deferred my invite all the way up to uh chicago in in feb i think oh sick yeah yeah um yeah so i speaking from experience i my parents lived in singapore for six years so mm -hmm. it was like i went over I, this was like at the peak of me like really grinding magic and i would go over there for like three or four weeks at a time because my dad's company would let me basically go to wherever he was in the world so when they were living in singapore I, it was so surprising to me the difference between in a, being in America and going to a card store and going to a card store in Singapore, which was like, it was just like, 
a lot of people packed into like a smaller space. Whereas mm-hmm. like, and, and a lot of people, the, the play over there was a, for me, it was like, it was enlightening to see like another, like another region and how they like approach the game. And it was like, I think the experience of, of going to like the, cause this was back when GP still existed. So they had GP Singapore. It was like a standard yeah. GP. Um, but yeah, just like seeing the the difference in like, I guess player quality, I, I guess we, what I'd call it. Cause you can go to tournaments in America now and you'll go and you'll, you'll play against people that really, um, for lack of better words, don't know what they're doing, but like everyone over there cares so much more. I think like as a, as when they approach the game in general, which I think is like, something that separates, I guess, uh, regions where there's a lot of accessibility to where regions where there's not. Kind of like what you were saying, where you're like, you kind of have to qualify through Magic Online um, and not necessarily through paper all the time. Um, yeah. But yeah, so. I mean, on I, I would I would reframe that just like slightly differently from my end. Like, so in, in, in a country like this in the US, right? It's so, it's so big. You're going to be, I don't know, let's say in Nebraska or whatever, and there's going to be like one or two RCQs in your area. And, you know, it's going to be those people in that area, but you're going to definitely have a couple of people who who maybe they're the only ones who play Magic Online or they're the only people in that area who've been to, to a pro tour before. So naturally, you know, you're, you're going to have kind of a like a, a bigger gap between between uh like you said, people who maybe who may not know what they're doing versus people who have actually like been on the train before or have just like had that experience going to SCG SCG events or whatever. Mm-hmm. But in a country like Singapore and the Philippines, um, where it's a kind of like you know, the Philippines is big, but our capital city has ninety five percent of the events and, and game stores. So RCQs in our area and in Singapore, that's basically the SCG tour where you have just yeah. like the same people going to those events every weekend. So you know you see the same people you play against you play against them many times uh (laughs) and and so all the people who qualified who have ever qualified for a pro tour in the in the philippines are just at the same event got you so yeah yeah, so so like if if you're if you're a new player on the competitive like if you're a new competitive player in the philippines and you want to play rcqs you're going to run against up against like the best players in the country so you're going to have to learn how to how to play better yeah um yeah i i just i think it's i just like i guess watching your results from the outside and i think it's like um for for you basically solely playing on magic online i think it's like actually incredible how like good of results you put up yeah um just because it's like so consistent right and like that was one thing that i was like i guess gonna try and talk to you about is like do you view playing online differently than what you'd play in paper like when you sit down to like play in like a like super qualifier or something is it like do you feel the same way or are you like a lot more comfortable because you're like at home behind your computer or is it like is it like a comfort thing for you or it, i don't know it's because some people like struggle playing online as opposed to playing in paper whereas it's like the opposite some people struggle playing in paper where they would excel online so i don't know like for you is it is it just like playing magic in general like it's just fine you know you know, for you to just sit down and just do it? Or is there like a different mindset going into playing online as opposed to going in paper? Yeah, that, that, that's kind of true. I, um, but I, I just have, I'm just a lot more comfortable playing in, in, in my room, 
access to whatever food I want. You know, I, I can get up and take a break. True. You know, drink around as long as I, I don't use up my clock. Um, and, <laughs> like, I, I, I don't... I, I'm not... I don't have social anxiety necessarily. I just don't like having to deal with all the... the the you know I, I don't like dealing with a lot of the things that make other people enjoy paper magic like i don't i don't like dealing with the physical game pieces i, I have small hands i can't shuffle i can't shuffle i i cannot shuffle a yorian deck which is weird because like i i, like I only i only played yorian decks in modern um I, I i hate uh the clock system in paper magic because of how um you know not judges fault necessarily but but if slow players get away with so much and i'm sure that's also a problem you know where wherever you're from whereas you know just just having to deal with the computer and you know the your opponent is basically inside your computer and they're not able to talk to you except be salty in chat <laughs> like that that's, that's true yeah i i'm able to focus just much more on the actual game and decisions going on um so so yeah would you consider it like I don't know how to properly word this, but a lot of like paper magic players, they they make certain plays based around their opponent either missing like something crucial, right? Like missing a trigger. Um, do you dislike that or do you do you like that about Moto specifically where you cannot miss a trigger and all your plays are like quote unquote a hundred percent optimal most of the time when in paper magic a lot of the times you'll be like well my only out is if my opponent specifically misses like this one trigger right like a shielder trigger or something so i'm gonna go for this line and hopefully they just miss it right um do you like that more about paper or do you like it more on moto where nothing can be missed and and things of that nature uh, so a couple of local judges have told me that i'm on i'm on kind of a I'm on a list and not 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 like a you know like a like a physical like like a piece of paper but just I like I I am in the judge's mind as someone who who may or may not hold up some rounds of a tournament with judge calls and and they acknowledge that it's not because I angle shoot but because whenever there's a miss trigger or a situation involving that I think involves slow play or just a clarification I will call a judge so I, you know, I've mentioned that I don't like dealing with that aspect of paper magic, but like because paper magic is the way it is, I just call judges to 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 kind of maintain the game state more than a lot of other people because I value that that kind of adherence to the letter of the law that you get on Magic Online. So some some people, my my opponents definitely um, may view that as me. I don't know rules lawyering or angle shooting or whatever. But even when I when I miss a trigger, I'm going to check in with a judge. I just I just want the game to be as close as possible to what you know to how it's supposed to be. And if someone if someone misses a trigger, for example, on paper and they don't notice, I'm not going to bring it up. Yeah. But if they do remember, then I I know that they may or may not have the right to a rewind. Uh, so even if they might think, no, no, it's fine, uh, I missed it, I will call a judge to just confirm whether or not that that's true. Yeah. That's fair. It's it's more so like fat, like like making sure that the game is played correctly in every aspect, I guess. Yeah, and and, and to, to kind of like the, the, the answer to the last part of your question, if if I'm, I'm playing on paper and my only out is my opponent missing something, like I will, I will play to that out. Um, 
I think the rules have actually changed now. Uh, like the, the rules have actually changed now, like very recently. But I have in the past, you know, Chalice checked my opponent because oh, yeah. you, you have to. So that that's kind of maybe you know some some people would maybe find that uh, sketchy or whatever. You know, definitely the more competitive you are, the the less you probably find that sketchy. But it definitely is something that that some people might have a problem with in the paper community. But yeah, yeah. I'll do it because, like, you know, if yeah. if they, yeah, if they call it out, fine. That that like, my thing is countered, I lose. Exactly. It's yeah. I think <laughs> I think you are right. Um, I think the more competitive you are, the less like I guess shady that looks right. Um, but again, I mean, that's it, it is technically a trigger. Like it, it's not. Of course, it's changed now. Where uh, if. Your, what is it if your opponent what it's lets it resolve and no other actions have happened then they then they get to put the trigger on the stack immediately right and then the spells yeah. countered it's it's, yeah. it's and that, that's great i i i want it to be that way for yeah. sure like I, I'm, I'm okay with it being that way even if it means that i as a competitive player might maybe lose like a few percentage points or whatever like in the end i don't think it matters much yeah yeah yeah, so like I grew up in the in the worlds of like playing in GPs every weekend across the US and in a time where the judge I guess program wasn't as strict as it is now as far as like rules. So like my first GP I ever played in was a legacy GP and my like chalice is all over the place. So it's like you have people chalice checking people left and right and like that's how you learned back in the day. Was like when you miss that chalice trigger and you lose the game you will never miss that challenge trigger again because you you lost this match to make it to day two or to miss the top eight or whatever it is or like not cash. So I completely agree with you. I'm always a fan of playing to my outs, even if my out is my opponent messing up. So yeah, chalice check is a big one. Um, I guess now there's that whole. I, what are your thoughts on this? So the way pack triggers work now. Um, it kind of incentivizes the, you know, like, you yourself, you know, if your opponent casts whatever pact, um, you, you kind of, you're incentivized to let your opponent keep taking the rest of their turn, but then whenever it truly becomes, quote-unquote, like, relevant, where they can get punished for it, um, that that's usually what players are doing now, and they're calling judges after their opponents have, you know, cast a spell or spent all their mana, to then call a judge and be like, hey, my opponent hasn't paid for their pack trigger, and then they immediately have to put it on the stack, and then they lose, right? So it's like, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that is considered angle shooting, or do you think that is just the way the rules are set up currently that kind of, again, incentivize players to not immediately remind their opponent about their own triggers? What's your take on that? So I actually haven't played I haven't played against pack on paper in a while so i'm not 100 percent sure what the current what the current kind of policy is on it but yeah i, I think i think if, if that if that did happen then i think it's pretty reasonable to wait until they they take their first game action involving involving like using up mana whether it's it's casting a spell and you know because you don't know like if they're gonna go straight to combat then I think that's also a good signal to to kind of call a judge and yeah, and remind sure. and remind them that that they 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 didn't pay for their pact. But I think in a lot of spots, even even them casting a spell, like 
is kind of bad for them because they're giving you information about what they wanted to do if they didn't have the pack. So you, they're still kind of giving up information. So I don't know. I don't know where it it becomes angle shooting. I, I I'm I would definitely ask a judge like what the current policy is on that, so that just to make sure that I'm not doing anything like explicitly uh, sketchy when I play against back. For sure. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure they actually cleared that up recently too. So I think that I think through Judge Academy they like sent out a, a newsletter that basically stated what would happen um, if they. I'm pretty sure if they find out that you. That like as an opponent, if your opponent, if your if your opponent missed their pack trigger and you knew about it the whole time and waited for a game action to happen, if they can determine that that did happen, then it's like a penalty for you as well. So it's like it's a really weird spot where it's like you have to. It's like your word versus somebody else's, you know, when it comes to those things. But yeah, no, I, back to back to moto. That, you can't miss those on moto. That's re- that, that's reasonable. If, if that if that were the case, then I would then I would definitely remind them as soon as the trigger was it was supposed to go on the stack on their upkeep mm-hmm. yeah because it was just i think it turned into i think this happened at a larger tournament i think it was maybe like apex or something um that essentially somebody missed their pack trigger it goes to their main phase they cast a spell then they let their opponent go to combat and then when they go to combat and he's like calls a judge and then he chooses to put the pack trigger on the stack opponent can't pay for it he loses the game well, come to find out that I guess through the grapevine, somebody said that he knew the whole time that that was happening, and he just waited for his opponent to make multiple game actions before he could take it back, uh, and then waited for him to lose the game essentially. So that's where the angle shooting portion of it comes in, I think, of like yeah. knowing that your yeah. opponent can can do that. I mean, now that you mentioned it, like it is it, the stack, the trigger does go on the stack on their upkeep. So the fact that they, if they draw, that's already you know supposedly too late for them to pay the back, and that yeah. that's. That's when you should be calling the judge, like when they when they draw a card. Correct. Um, but now, so like in the old days, it was well, I guess get where we're kind of getting to is in the old days you would just lose the game on the spot. Yeah, if you, if you drew, drew if you even like picked up the top card of your deck and even saw it a little bit, like that's it. Like yep, you lose. Yeah, you lost the game. But now you have now players have the option to put that that pack trigger on the stack because that's just how the game uh, the game the rules of the game work now. Which so like it's just kind of weird. I think that. What I was saying earlier about like growing up in the the old GP days where everything was kind of cutthroat and there wasn't a ton of like specified rules and and ways rules were enforced put in place, um, kind of makes you I guess a, a I think a more cautious player in the long run because of those things that happen to you that you cannot miss. But now you're able to miss them more and more in paper. So that's what I was kind of getting to. Yeah, that's that makes sense. I mean, I, I do think that. I think whether we we kind of like lose less as a community overall if if we're just all more relaxed about our opponents missing triggers especially given that the the, the judge like the, the the rule system now allows for that to happen yeah um i guess the downside of that is that there are going to be like actual cheaters or angle shooters who are going to be able to take advantage of that but but you know, you'd hope that the judges would be keeping track of, of players that miss their back triggers yeah. repeatedly. Yeah. yeah, for sure. No, most definitely. Um, so you know, since we're on the topic of paper versus online magic, um, is there an inherently like big difference between preparing for an online event and a physical event for you? I know you you primarily play online, but 
for the paper events that you do plan, um, do you prepare very similarly to the way you prepare on Moto, or um, what, is there any like big difference in what you decide to play or how you sideboard or anything like that? I, I would say the biggest the biggest difference is just card availability. Um, on paper, I, I I have to borrow a deck or or bring whatever I have on hand, which currently is just like, is it Phoenix in Pioneer? So, <laughs> I I'm kind of constrained by what I have access to, and at this point, I'm not super interested in 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 building up a, a bigger a bigger collection of cards. Whereas I'm not online, right? I I I. I use mana traders. I I have the all access pass. I can play whatever I want. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. Mana traders is awesome. Mana, yeah. That that all access pass I think is huge too. I think we're gonna see a lot more players on Moto now. Um, and apparently they gave one out what for free for twenty four hours, right? Yeah, starting yep. Thursday. So that's super cool. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so I was looking through your Twitter and I actually saw uh, a tweet about you talking about you spotting some leaks in your gameplay and you addressing them. Um, do you have any tips on, you know, for the people at home on maybe how to improve on leaks or maybe spotting leaks in your gameplay? And because, you know, of course, once you hit like a wall, um, it's kind of hard to break that barrier on on improving, right? Because you can only do so much to get better and um a lot of people hit this wall and they just feel like they're stuck there um you as a player what what do you do to kind of spot those leaks and and improve on them yeah so um so for for the longest time um i i did pretty well i did pretty well in in paper magic locally and and that's just because i i was completely focused on just on just playing well um and you know that, that 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 that's kind of oversimplifying it, right? Like everyone wants to play well, but I mean, like I was primarily focused on on playing well and just focusing on the actual game of Magic, <laughs> because to me, what well, to me before, if you just played optimally, then you could kind of uh, you could kind of control for factors like like sideboard, like an understanding of your sideboard. Uh, deck selection, even, and uh, you know the meta game. If you just played as well as you could, and you know that was kind of how I how I framed the attitude as I started playing competitively, and I, it kind of served me well. Uh, I was I I just I net decked. I I read articles about how to play well. Um, I didn't really watch a lot of content. I I mostly just practiced games myself. And you know, even going into even going into the the online magic era, uh, starting in, in twenty twenty, that that is what got me qualified to a bunch of set championships in a row. Um, I, I I almost always played the best deck. Um, I I tested with great players. I I took I I used their deck recommendation. I as much much as possible followed their their sideboard guides or just kind of used my own intuition. And it was great, you know. I made I made top four of the of one of the mock seasons. I I was qualified for three uh, set online set championships. And then once I once I I didn't requalify for the next set championship, and 
um, that was the wall I hit that, that you described, where I could just n I just could not requalify for anything. I could not win uh, a PTQ. I could not uh, get back on the mocks for whatever reason. And you know that that's when I had I had just this com completely awful year where I didn't do well in anything, and um, that definitely led me to to revisit kind of this attitude of of not really paying attention to anything but but the decision making in game. And you know I I'm still kind of recovering from that <laughs> like that terrible uh, like stretch of like a year and a half, um, and. Yeah, just just to kind of to use use a specific example, um, I, I realized that I just did not pay enough attention to to sideboarding. Like that, that was actually the leak that I identified that I was that I was talking about. Where you know I'll net deck, I'll use the sideboard guide, or I'll I'll use my own intuition, but I wouldn't really make sure that there was any consistency uh, between you know, two different matches against the same deck. Like, what if what if I wanted to sideboard differently versus this version? What if I, I did that instead? And I realized that if I just focused on this other thing, I would be able to 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 kind of catch up on all the on all the the win percentages that I had like left on the table in, in, in the previous years. So, you know, that led to just me kind of fit, formulating a plan to deal with this weakness. So I frame I framed the leak in terms of like I do not uh, I do not pay attention to sideboarding well enough, and I need to fix that. So how would I fix that? Um, I watched uh, VODs, which I had never really... You know, I, I'm not really much of a, a... like a. I don't really watch Magic streams, but I forced myself to watch YouTube videos of of players playing competitive decks that I wanted, I was interested in, which is crazy. Like, when you think about it, like, why wasn't I doing this before, right? Like, if, yeah. if I was focused on playing well. But, <laughs> yeah. but I actually, like, I put... I had a spreadsheet, spreadsheet up. I watched... Uh, like pros play matches of Magic on Magic Online Arena, and I actually wrote down how they sideboarded in their matches on Twitch and YouTube, and I would just do that for as for as many matches that I could, and I also cross referenced that with with articles people had written about that deck and how they sideboarded, and then when finally when I would play matches with that deck, I would record how I sideboarded against you know all my opponents in the league, and. It it was crazy because I feel like this is just something that people that people do, and it was not something that I that I ever did. So doing it was difficult, but it, like really focusing on that actually trained me to pay more attention not only to how I sideboarded it, but but to pay attention to content. You know, because watching streams and and YouTube, it's all about it's not just about mindlessly watching for entertainment, right? It's about how do you how do you kind of take what what you're watching and like turn that into actionable uh information and for me the way i did that was by just focusing and writing down how they sideboarded and that that would make me like hyper focus on on their game actions on how specific sideboard cards uh impacted like the, their games and yeah ever since then like i've, I've been doing that and you know it's it's not, you're not going to feel the effects right away of course but i just feel like I'm approaching the, the entire match much more thoughtfully than just, you know, if I if I just make this correct decision on turn three, I should win the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's 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 super <laughs> funny you actually mentioned that because usually when I uh, personally like sideboarding is something I struggle with. Like I have to write a guide like to every tournament I go to because I just want to make sure that I don't lose like those percentage points in games two and three. 
Um, and usually when I watch VODs, I usually just watch them for like the sequencing and uh, how the person piloting the deck makes like the most optimal play, you know, at all times. Um, and that's kind of my biggest takeaway from the from watching like streams and VODs. Um, but now that you're mentioning it, I actually when they sideboard, I, that's something that I'm just like, okay, they're sideboarding, like whatever. Um, so I'm actually gonna start doing that now. I'm actually gonna start paying more attention to how they sideboard and and you know why particularly they're sideboarding that way. I think that's that's probably the biggest thing, right? Is why are they sideboarding that that way? Not just oh they brought in these cards, they took these cards out, right? Um, so I think th I think that's definitely something I'm gonna I'm gonna work on as well. Um, so I have a question for you though, Nick. The uh, mm -hmm. do you ever play leagues, like ever, or do you just like primarily play challenges? Um, I I play I play a lot of leagues. Um, okay. I actually only started properly grinding challenges this year um okay. like i have to i've topated a few challenges over the past couple of years but I, I i was just primarily a drafter and and a league gamer okay oh league as in like uh leagues on moto yeah yeah i got you um yeah because i was gonna say i like your chat your name's all over challenges all the time <laughs> so it's like but i i i feel like because your name's all over these challenges, actually, you know, I, I feel like I would see more leagues, but I guess it's probably makes sense because they just picked random ones to go in the league five O's, I think. So, um, I was like, that's why I wondered if you just played challenges or if you played leagues as well. Cause I was like, if he, if he's all over these challenges, he's gotta be all over these leagues too. So, yeah. And um, yeah, and I, I honestly don't know what you're talking about. I mean, of course you, you, you know, you, I'm sure you have your reasons why, but you're like, yeah, I'm still recovering from, from that slump I had and I'm looking at your challenge results and they're really good. Like just on page one, like you have multiple like top eights, top fours and like top 18s. Like I, I don't like your results are, are, are really good online. Um, and they're all over the place. It's not just like one format, which you see that pretty commonly. Like you're playing standard, you're playing pop or you're playing modern. Like you're, you're doing fairly well. Um, no, th yeah, thanks. Yeah, no problem. I mean, what, I, what's what's <laughs> the biggest thing that that you're unhappy with? Because you said you're still getting over that slump. Is it um, just not getting like the first place, or or what's what's the big thing you feel like you're working on like right now as a player? Um. Yeah. So like, there's there, there's so many there's so many little leaks and, and and areas for improvement that I, that I could talk about so like i'm still working on i'm still working on sideboarding and i, I do think that that being a, a lot more attentive to that has improved like my win rate specifically in game threes which i think you know that you you will have seen kind of a trend going from having a bunch of top 32s to now maybe top 16s and and top eights but um yeah i mean I'm, yeah, my, my challenge results lately have been good, but I, I don't want to be—I uh, don't want to be complacent about that. And um, the, the thing is, I, right now I—I I, I play Magic full time, so I—I do—I do, I do part-time consulting work, and you know, copywriting and editing work. But when I sit down to play a challenge, that is going to be my main source of income. So. 
So when I when I say that I I'm still trying to improve on my results and I'm trying to you know to do better and figure out how to kind of pick up these percentage points that I might have been leaving on the table, I I mean it in the sense of like because I you know I need to be able to to perform better. I I, I want to be able to do better. So yeah, I mean it's not that I'm disappointed in my in my current ch challenge results. It's more of like I I just want to be able to to kind of use these results and put it into like a larger framework of improving in general and to just show improvement over time because i i, I have established that i i have the ability to kind of consistently top 32 and that's a that's a great place to be if you're on magic online because if, if you know if, if you haven't played if you haven't played magic online um in in challenges like you basically get your money back if you if you make top 32 so if you just never won an event and just top 32 to every challenge you played, you would like still be ahead and you'd sort of be able to go infinite. Uh, so that's kind of the baseline that I'm I'm going for. And if I top eight, then that's great. Yeah, gotcha. that's sick. So, yeah, that's awesome. I, I say, yeah, I was gonna say, so I've talked to some people that primarily play online. Like um, I got, uh, I recently talked to uh, somebody that was friends with Chris MTG, which was like the trophy leader in modern uh last before the reset um do you think do you wish that there was like a primary like i've had people say mixed emotions on this but like to have an actual paper pro tour and then an actual online pro tour like separately do you think that 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 should be something that should be looked at at all in the sense of like because you you said like you've had issues having like being able to go to actual like pro tours and stuff like that do you do you think it would be better for, I guess, the the glo like global state of the game to have like people that don't necessarily have access to have a way to like funnel into like an online type pro tour. Because I remember when the Mythic Championships were happening, like during COVID and things like that, you were able to qualify for those online like Mythic Championships, and wherever you were in the world, you're still competing at the highest level with the people that you would normally see in like a Paper Magic tournament. So like I've had. Some people tell me, hey, I wish we had both ways. So, like, you have an online pro tour and then you have a paper pro tour, and you can basically choose essentially which way you qualify whether you qualify online, you play an online pro tour, or whether you qualify in paper, you play in a paper pro tour. Do you think that that's something that should be looked at, or do you think it's just like this is just what we have now? And so you have to deal with it? I guess that's what I'm kind of getting at. Like, for you, I think having access to an online pro tour would be like, you'd be like, absolutely like this is what i've been waiting for you know yeah like i i i enjoyed the online set championship era of magic more than probably 99.9 percent .9 of magic players um you know that was the system that we had and most people hated it and couldn't get and couldn't wait to get back to paper magic whereas i am just the complete opposite i but i un i understand that that's just because of my of my situation like if i could if I could turn my sort of outstanding uh, Pro Tour invite into an Arena Championship invite, which I've also been trying to qualify for, for by the way, I would 100% go for that. But I just know that that this is that's not the system that benefits. Uh, I don't know about benefits, but that's not the system that kind of leads to the most I don't, uh, profit, participation, engagement, uh, whatever yeah. you know, the fulfillment of Wizards of the Coast's goals. Yeah. And, and that you know, and, and that's fine. I think I think the the issue, or kind of the 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 um, the reason why we're not getting more 
big online events is that you look at you look at these magic online uh super qualifiers right and they don't qualify for the pt anymore they qualify for the rc so that's like a huge step down in terms of prestige but you see that the modern one last weekend just completely filled up so oh yeah even though you have people on twitter rightfully uh uh advocating for for going back to a, a proter qualification in those super qualifiers rather than an rc qualification there's no incentive there's no, you know, incentive on Wizards' part or Daybreak's part to actually make that happen because their events are going to fill up anyway. Correct. Yeah. I, I, yeah, see, that's another thing, too. So, like, I started playing MTGO, like, basically in the mid-2010s, somewhere around there. And it was, like, probably, probably a little bit earlier than that. But um, it's, like, still, like, those prestigious tournaments that have, like, 300-plus people in them, I mean, that's like going to an SCG event, you know, like that's like going to a very large event or, you know, uh, for us, in a, it's just like, you know, going to an SCG event is like, but then in order to win that or even top eight that, like, that's already super hard for you to get to. So, like, I also agree with you in the sense that I think that those tournaments should qualify you for something more prestigious than just like, hey, you get to go to the next regional championship. It's like, well, now I have a step before the big step and like this. I think playing on online for most people is arguably harder, I think, because I think that when you're in a tournament hall and you're playing Magic with everyone else, I find it less distracting for me to play in a big tournament hall than it is to play online because I have, like, unlimited freedom to do whatever I need to do. And so, like, um, but yeah, no, I think that, I think that what you're saying is, is right. I think that those tournaments need to lead to something better. Um, and I think they they need to figure out a way to reward those people that are constantly grinding and putting up good results on Magic Online because those are the people that are like making the content and you know that are constantly essentially pumping money into your into your online client and those are the people that are like super loyal to you. So yeah, I wish that those super qualifiers would definitely get you back to the PT. Uh, definitely, uh, I guess for qualifying for the RC, it's just like then you got to like worry about all the the back end of like what region you're in what rc am i qualifying for you know all those things which those are they just now started laying those out online where it's like this qualifies you for the first regional championship in 2024 2024 or whatever it is so before they didn't even specify that so no i i think it's i think i agree with you in the sense that they should they should mean more the tournaments online should yeah, and at least for that, um, there is the the, the mocks the mocks kind of qualification track, and mm-hmm. um, uh, that that actually is more value than a browser invite. Um, obviously, it's it's harder to qualify for because the people competing for that for those slots are are insane. Like I, I still looking back, like I have no idea how I managed to win a showcase qualifier. I just. Uh, given who I was playing against, that was like uh, extremely lucky in my in my opinion. But but if only that had as much nearly as much prestige as the Pro Tour, I think you'd see a lot of a lot more people trying to qualify for those. But I do think that that's a great that is a great tournament series. Gotcha. Yeah, that's awesome. So this you know talking about your your showcase win, um, do you want to go in depth on that and? Maybe who you played against and 
you know, you just said you, in your in your opinion, you said it was lucky, but um, do you want to kind of go into that? Uh, yeah, I mean, that was, that was in, that was in, what, that was in 2020, like, I, I, I barely even, at that, at that point, I barely even knew, like, what the, what the, what was going on, like, what, it, what the tournaments qualified for, like, what, what I was, what I was competing for, that was when I was just, uh, sort of getting into, to being competitive on Magic Online, and it, it kind of all just fell into place there, where I was extremely, I was extremely active, during the first few months of Pioneer, because um, that was that I won the the Pioneer Showcase qualifier, and that was one of the first kind of big Pioneer tournaments, if I remember on on Magic Online. There had been, I think, yeah. I'm not sure if it was SCGs. There, there there were some paper tournaments, and but the format was still pretty new. That was around the time when they were still banning things. Mm-hmm. That was a little bit after the time when they were banning things every every week, or was it every month? I, I can't remember, like every, but it felt like every week. Yeah, that was wild. But I, I, I got there just by, you know, I, I what was it? I played, I played mono red Eldrazi. Like I, I kind of like brewed that up and made made top eight of the of the showcase challenge, and then won the showcase qualifier with with Sultai Delirium. And like in hindsight, that deck might not have been that great, but it also just had Uro. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, how, how, how bad how bad could that deck really be that it could like consistently play Uro like four times in a single game? Yeah. So, yeah, bad. yeah. I mean, like that, that just just being able to to participate in that in that tournament series was awesome, and and it's something that I've that I've tried to get back to. I, I mean, people have already qualified for two of those events, and that that's that's crazy. Yeah. But that's yeah. That's that's my that's been my kind of main goal, like even more than qualifying for the Pro Tour, is just being able to get back on the on the mock. Yeah, it, what, I I obviously we said earlier like you you kind of play all formats. Do you have a favorite format right now that you like really enjoy playing above the rest? Yeah, I my my favorite format is is actually draft, and okay. I play more dra- draft than any than any other format. Um, so, in terms of constructed, I'll pretty much play any format except Legacy or Vintage. Um, I when I was you know I, I used to be kind of a a standard specialist on paper, and then I just played a lot of Pioneer online. But recently, I I, I got into Modern because that was that was the RC season and and stuff like that. So so I, the more the more formats I play, the you know, the more difficult it kind of gets to keep track of them. But I mean, I got into popper recently because the mono red burn deck is 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 so sweet. <laughs> but you know, I, yeah, I mean, as long as you have uh, like a good kind of source of information, like a source of truth on like how your deck works, and if you get as long as you get enough enough reps with it, like I feel like you can manage a bunch of different formats. But but draft will always be my my favorite. Yeah, have you played any? Obviously, you've played a lot of Wilds of Eldraine already. Yeah. Oh yeah, I. I've, okay. Yeah. I, <laughs> Do you like the format? I, I I like it a lot. I I'm hopefully making a run for the 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 trophy leaderboard. Yeah, I saw you. I saw you had a few already when it first dropped, and I was like, yeah, this. He's just gonna tear it up. Um. But yeah, so I, I've had I've I've also heard people mixed emotions on the draft format, but it's just like 
some people are like, you know, I don't, I like it, but then you, you're talking to players that also like really bomby formats. So like they would, they would like the March of the March of machines draft where you could just like hit one giant, you know, rare that just like wins you the game basically every time. Um, that's that's the format that, that I've done the best in. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> so did do you do you try and trophy run on draft like every single time it resets? Uh, like, like I I the the most number like the, the largest number of trophies I've gotten is is thirty and that's Damn. that was with March of the Machine, but you know you look at the trophy leaderboard at the end of every season and people have a hundred. Yeah. So. Yeah. It, it, it's for me given that i that my main goal is to it, right now is to be, be playing challenges and, and and racking up qps it's a little bit unrealistic to actually yeah. <laughs> make the tro the trophy like you just need you just need an insane win rate to be able to trophy 100 times and there are definitely people like amaz uh you know who's currently has like 11 trophies like that that, that have that that have that ability i, I still like do one a bunch of drafts and one two which yeah i'm trying to figure out how to how to fix that yeah i uh yeah so like I, that's why i was wondering i was uh, i was wondering what your favorite format was and it makes sense that it's limited um do you prefer sealed to draft or draft to sealed um definitely draft okay. I, I i do play i do play a lot of sealed but sealed is like my worst format in terms of just like i i i've I think my most common sealed league record is like two or three at this point. Gotcha. <laughs> um, so there's definitely something that's not clicking there, and it would be the type of thing that if I that if I if I could, I would I would get coaching on sealed, and I have gotten coaching on limited before. But yeah, like if that if I'm not doing well on sealed, I'll just kind of play another format, and and I'll feel better that way. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> understandable. But but the main reason why you love woe. Uh, drafting woes because of Beseech the Mirror, right? You love cracking those. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm <laughs> definitely, I'm definitely, I'm definitely going to play more of a draft format if, if the, if the value is higher. Um, and I've been lucky enough to crack a couple of those like, so far. Like forty yeah. ticks, right? Thirty. Yeah, I mean, it was it was seventy to eighty at one point, oh, and I opened one. God. I opened one. I think yesterday, but it had it had already gone down to thirty seven. I think. Yeah. So, did you play a lot of Lord of the Rings drafts whenever the ring was still astronomically high? I did. I okay. did. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I opened three rings in one week. Oh, oh my god. That's gas. <laughs> That's awesome. Jeez. Yeah. The uh, I opened one in in like some treasure chests, and that was ah uh, nice. I was there for that yeah. one. Yeah, that, that was great. Yeah, um, it's been a long time since I've actually put up decent results on Magic Online. I've been I've been more focused on playing in paper, but it's just like uh, I, I I feel like I'm in that stage that you mentioned you were in for a while for like a year where you're just like playing not very good online, and it's just like mm -hmm. you don't you don't really know why you just are kind of just playing games, and I feel like I need to take a step back and like not play online as much because like. I guess in my hype, like I like there was like a weekend where I went like back to back. Uh, I went Modern Challenge top eight, Modern Challenge top eight, and then Legacy top eight, like all in the same weekend. And it was like I Sweet. felt like I was on top of the world. And then all of a sudden, I just like didn't put up any results for a few years because <laughs> I just didn't play mm -hmm. out Magic Online as much. But yeah, no, I I, I definitely 
like talking to you about like the ability to just like lock in and be comfortable online, I think is something that uh, is definitely an advantage, especially when it comes to like grinding these challenges like you do. Um, Cause like your results speak for themselves. And yeah, no, I'm, I'm impressed. Yeah. I mean, like the way, the way I look at it is, is that you, 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 like we should always be trying to improve um, our, our kind of consistency, right? Like it's, it's like I talked about how if you top 32 every challenge you're ahead, but that just also works on like, on a perform, like on a, on like a personal performance level where you're going to get lucky and you're going to get extremely unlucky. So if you just cut off your best results and your worst results, like you need to be looking at how to, you know, average 17th instead of like 24th. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's like, that's kind of like a tangible step that you can take. And it's, it's something that you can, you can kind of like zero in and, and, and focus on. And like how you do that, I think it's just going to vary like per person like uh, there's so much advice on on twitter and and stuff about how you can improve right it's like take a break and then come back to it or or watch vods or or get coaching like everything is going to work and some things are going to work for some people better than other things but i think the important thing really is to just like get out of like step back from your own from your own like mindset when you're playing and to figure out like what what's a like what's a really small thing you can improve on and like being more mindful about that specific thing like like i was with just writing down how i sideboarded in every in all of my league matches like that's going to lead to i think you being better in like other little things because you're going to be you're just like focusing on something completely different that that you just did not shed a light on previously and that's just going to like let you look at ma like your games in a different way yeah that's fair yeah yeah, so like <laughs> a lot of people or a lot of my friends have called me crazy for reading Dom Harvey's 80,000 word primer on Amulet. But I've been playing Amulet for a really long time. And even though I've been playing the deck for years, kind of like what you're saying, like small improvements, he talks about that in that in that Amulet primer. And it's it's really, I like you said, to consume content is is one thing but actually taking away something from the content that you're consuming is like a lot bigger than what most people will probably realize because like my results on titan have gotten better because of just reading the small things that someone else thinks about or someone else you know goes down that rabbit hole of this is the reason why we're doing this and this is why um and it kind of opens up your perspective so yeah i i completely agree it's just like the small things that you constantly build uh, and once once you build those small things, then winning will just come. It'll just happen. So, yeah, no, it's sick. And then also like retaining that information like for the long term. Of course, not like verbatim, but knowing how to apply the overall knowledge of what you've learned into like other things. That's also very crucial. Um, I I just think it's really cool how how magic is such a big game but in the grand scope of things like once you learn something you can kind of apply it to like either different formats or different decks and it's just it's just really cool to see people kind of grow as players and and even yourself right like it just feels really rewarding when you're like hey that was pretty good 
you know? Yeah. I think I think the the perfect I think somebody told me this I didn't uh it was I think I was in like a coaching group back in the day that you think coached by some some pros back in the day but uh <clears throat> the best way they described magic was poker meets chess which is like a really if you think about it like it actually kind of makes sense and it makes sense why there's a lot of magic players that play poker so um including several hall of famers but <laughs> Yeah, no. Um, I I did want to ask you this too, though. Um, how, when you sit down, like uh, like on on any given weekend, and you're like, all right, cool, I'm gonna play in standard challenge first. I'm gonna, or I'm gonna play in pioneer challenge first, or whatever. Do you just like spin the wheel and land on a deck list, or do you actually do like some like thoughtful process of being like, I, I think I'm gonna play this because of these previous challenges or these previous results, or do you just say? I feel like playing this this weekend. Yeah, that, that's really interesting because that's that's another <laughs> kind of area that that I've had to I've had to improve on. So, um, like in Pioneer, uh, I I am basically at this point a rap to sacrifice one trick. Okay. And and that's probably the reason why on my on my goldfish results, like you 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 just won't see Pioneer. Pioneer challenges like top thirty twos. It's not because I'm not playing them, but it's just because I'm not doing well with the deck. And gotcha. um, so my that 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 is to say, the decks that I that I pick for each challenge uh, would kind of vary between just decks that I'm the most comfortable with and decks that I think would do well in that particular tournament. Like it, it's kind of hard. Like I'm not gonna say that it's completely. Deliberate, like it's just kind of an element to, to spinning the wheel. But on a given weekend, with with Pioneer, for example, I'm just most likely to play Rack the Sacrifice because Pioneer is a format that that a lot of people have said, and I I believe it as well. Really rewards, uh, just kind of. I, I guess that's true. People say that about Modern as well, but it, it just rewards like getting reps with one with one particular deck. And with any deck in Pioneer. You're just going to lose some some matchups, and you're also just going to lose some games because of some some bullshit that you can't control, and, and that's fine. Whereas there are other formats like standard, where you can you can pick up so much equity by just thinking about the format. And this is something that this is something that I learned, uh, you know, testing with with my current uh, Pro Tour team, and that that this team has just the most incredible players on it. it you know, Dom Harvey's on that team. Uh, mogged the magic online standard god it, 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 you know that that's that's another reason why i've done a lot better lately it's just like being around better players a anyway so like the, the standard is a format where where just like playing a different deck or changing a few cards in your deck can lead you from from just doing okay to actually winning the the tournament and that's why you know that's why i played as per legends in the challenge that i that i split last weekend is because i knew that a whole bunch of people would just be playing ramp because ramp was like the obvious great choice going into this this first challenge of the format, so I just wanted to play Esper Legends because that 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 matchup is free. Yeah, and even though the deck is gonna is going to completely fall off after this weekend, and in fact, like no one played the deck. I was the only Esper Legends player in the top thirty-two. Mog played the deck on Sunday, top forward with it, but basically no one else played the deck as well on Sunday. So you know that format is gonna reward just like an understanding of which cards are going to be good on a given week and like modern uh i i i used to play omnath and now i just play rhinos 
I, I tried learning scam like during a challenge, but it didn't go well. So I'm probably just gonna have to like get a like several leagues with that in before I, I pick it up again. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Popper, I, I'm just gonna play the burn deck until until like until I don't top sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's fair. I, I can't say I blame you. Goblin Blast Runner is so gas. That card is so good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so Medvedev is a, is another Magic Online grinder who who I, I work with because he 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 lives in he lives in my region, right? So he mm-hmm. we went to the same RCN. Yeah, he just said like just just play this burn deck. It's it's free money, and yeah, it that that has been that has been my observation so far. And you know, I I'm not above picking up other decks, but I I would I usually err on the side of playing decks that I'm comfortable with in challenges rather than. Uh, just like picking up something else, and you know, you know, I, I'd want to play a bunch of leagues before playing a deck in a challenge. Yeah, I was gonna say because there's seven copies of Burn in that top top ten of that challenge. So <laughs> yeah, first <laughs> and a, fourth was lot. Burn, right? Yeah, he he just played against the mirror match in the top four, I think. Oh jeez. Yeah, yeah. All, all my losses that tournament, all my losses that challenge were to Burn because I was playing the 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 version of Burn that's bad against the bigger version of Burn. Okay. <laughs> Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think the big difference is what uh, they're playing like Ren's Resolves and like Reckless Impulses, and you're just like, I'm just gonna kill you. I actually think that matchup is is close between the the kind of faster burn deck and the and the Reckless Impulse version. Like I've I have I've beaten that version before. It it, it just so happened that I I took end the festivities out of my sideboard, mm. and I've had it out of my sideboard for a couple of weeks because, um, I think. I just wanted to have better cards against against the artifact decks, um, yeah. but I think definitely I should have probably played a few cop last weekend. Gotcha. Yeah. So cards really good. So overall, right? Um, I know you yourself are a big proponent of a uh, or enjoyer, I should say, of uh, MTG All Salt. Um. What, what, yeah. What's the biggest like? saltiest moment that I, that you've ever experienced on moto the one that you like lay down in bed it's like 3 a.m and that moment just like pops into your mind i it was it's definitely when i was playing vintage cube with with my friends on a on a discord call and i just uh, I'm, I'm looking it up now and and you know we, we were all they're all watching me play play the sweet deck and I just I guess got paired against the saltiest player I've ever I've ever played against, and yeah, it was awesome. Like he, he just told me to die in a fire. It was it, it was just great. And oh my God. Jeez. yeah, like but, but, but I I mean the, the best part is that is that I is that I got I got um I got everything out of that match. I won the match. I got Twitter clout, and I got to report him. So <laughs> got the three up. Like, yeah, exactly. Like I, I'm not 100 percent sure that they they did anything about that, but usually like Magic Online is like pretty good about dealing with with abuse and stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. That's... I mean, there, there's been there's been a lot. Like I I even post like my own salt. So I I I want to make sure that that it it's it's an equal opportunity, uh, posting. Oh yeah, I saw I, yeah. yeah I saw the one. I think you're I think the one you're referring to is where your opponent's like, can we just play? <laughs> 
and that, that was funny because I, I i i was just like i i was like the minimum amount of salty though still salty and they just they just like got mad at me for being salty which is fair and then and then a couple a couple of people like replied that wow this makes you look really bad it's like yes that's why i posted it yeah like i i, I didn't post it thinking that i was owning my opponent like i look bad here <laughs> And I, I think that's my favorite one, aside from the um, the Rhinos one, where you're playing the mirror, and your opponent's like, I hate this mirror. And you're like, I like it a lot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, there's definitely, I, I in, there's just a lot of that on Moto, as opposed to, like, any other thing. That's why I'm glad they don't have anything on Arena for you to, like... Just no chat, yeah. Yeah, just yeah. no chat. Uh, because Arena is, like... It's they just spam the like the emojis or like the the you know you know they're like screaming inside whenever they're spamming your your turn or whatever when you're like trying to make a, an actual game decision but or the um, salt rope that's the biggest yeah. one yeah the um, that one's that one's really bad too um, do, you, do you okay so I I've asked everyone this question that has that has ever played Magic Online. Do you think there are bugs in the the so, like the software now that need to be looked at or fixed? Like so, there, for example, a lot of people think there's like a, a bug with Thoughtseize, right? Where if you Thoughtseize a card out of your opponent's hand, they uh, draw it basically a lot more times than uh, yeah they would not draw it. Or like for instance, um, like the shuffle uh, mechanic on Moto needs to be reworked or fixed to where you're not basically having a lot of non-games or having to mold the fives or fours or whatever. Do you think that there's an actual, like, issue with that online? Or do you think it's just, like, people's own saltiness getting in the way of actual reasoning? So, it, human beings are just incredibly bad <laughs> at understanding randomness, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, that, that, that's why we have just... Like the, like the idea of like destiny and and karma and shit like that it's like we just we just need to, to believe that there is a pattern like in in the universe and that definitely extends the the games like i i, I do not think there's anything wrong with with thoughtsies I, I really think it's just like we remember the times that we get hit with the thoughtsies bug and we just like completely discard the the majority of times when that doesn't happen um like there have been annoying bugs on magic online before and i will say that that daybreak has been exceptional at dealing with them like there are cards that would have gone like on kind of unrecognized there are bugs that would have gone unrecognized for a long time that get hot fixed as soon as possible by daybreak and yeah overall i've just been very happy with how with how they dealt with that like i, I was i was typing because i was looking for for this sort of like arena mega thread on the on the hand smoothing algorithm and how mm -hmm. it's just like it's just the funniest thing I, I wish i could find it like easily but it's just hundreds of pages of people like posting screenshots of having like five lands in hand about how <laughs> the game is rigged against them and it, it's just like it's just very it's like entertaining but it's also just very like it, it really just reminds you like how how important this is to some people that that they need to believe that there's something going on, and right. on Magic Online, I completely understand that also, and that that's why I, you know I, I'm okay with salt and stuff. It's just because like people are putting their their money into it, right? And 
mm-hmm. it, it does kind of feel bad that like I drew five straight lands and now this was my last that was my last 120 play points and I'm gonna have to like swipe the credit card and put more ticks into Magic Online or, or sell sell it's like like that but that's what kind of what you sign up for so mm-hmm. you know nope it's rigged it's all rigged <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They Shuffle. know. They know when I'm running out of tickets, so I spend more money on the software. I'm oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, your your daybreak agent is giving you the hands that you have to mulligan. <laughs> or MTGO Premium, I think that's my favorite one. Yeah. Your opponent draws like a oh, yeah. they paid for MTGO Premium. So like... I I swear Jabberwocky pays for it cuz every time I play against them, I just get cooked. <laughs> and I I <laughs> I think I saw him one time and I, it's, it's Logan Nettles, but like I think I saw him one time at like a, a large tournament. It might have been an RC. I was like, dude, I just need to know where you pay for your MTGO premium at. And he just started laughing or just made a joke about it. Um, but yeah, no. I think MTGO premium is like a hilarious meme that <laughs> I think it's I think it's definitely good content whenever you're messing with somebody about MTGO premium. <laughs> oh, for sure. So but the thing is, like they might. Like there's a subset of players who might actually think that that's true, and that that's the crazy part. It's just like they're not gonna <laughs> recognize how silly they're being. They're just gonna think that like this, yeah, this person has somehow had the game rigged in their favor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think that kind of separates the like players that want to improve and the players that just don't want to take accountability, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm sure if they watch the vods, they they could spot you know, a certain play that they could have done differently that maybe could have given them, like, a different outcome. But um, I do notice that the players that do drastically improve, they don't, you know, they don't really find, like, oh, I just drew five lands in a row, that's why I lost. And sure, that's going to happen sometimes, right? But I think if you're constantly looking at the game that way, you're kind of holding yourself back. Yeah, I mean, and and on the flip side, I think there's just kind of some serenity in in like looking back at the game and understanding that i lost that game because i drew five straight lands and there's nothing i could have done about that so like on to the next game yeah yeah that's true yeah <laughs> it's it's copium sometimes for sure yeah it does make yeah, it i think feel i mean it, yeah it, I mean, it's, it's just gonna happen right like it's it's just like it, it's something that that lsv like always says is that like um like I got mana screwed this game, but my my opponent is gonna get mana screwed in another game. Like it, it, like these these swings can just are just gonna happen to everyone. So I do think that you know looking at how you could have improved is gonna be good for every game. But there are also just games that you can kind of offload like that burden, like from trying to figure out how you could have won. When if you just understand that this game was lost because of very for sure, yeah. Yeah, they, I mean, there was a, uh, so I used to be in this, this older group called uh, the Magic Mastermind, which has like Simon Nielsen and like a bunch of other pros in there that we used to coach. Um, and Simon, like, I think it was, he made it, he, he sent us all a message when he was uh, like around seven or eight undefeated at the Pro Tour uh, most recently. And he was like, I, I'm really not focused on winning. I'm just focused on not losing. And it was like, just having like an outcome, like a, like an outlook like that, I think like can immediately change how you play game to game. Another thing he said was like, he doesn't think about like, he doesn't necessarily think when he sits down against his next round opponent, he doesn't think of 
okay, I need to win this to get to, you know, 8-0 or whatever. He's just like, I ha- he has a good spatial, like, he's very good to, like, spatially get out of, hey, I need to win this to be 8-0 or, hey, I need to win this to be 9-0. He's just like, I am playing this opponent and I am my goal is to win this match. Like, nothing else outside of that really matters. And, like, I think for, like, a lot of sports in general, not just Magic, it's like a lot of people can do that. And that's, like, a huge thing for a lot of competitive players at any level or any sport to be able to essentially cast everything else out aside and just say what is in front of me is the most important thing to me right now, and then everything else will fall in place. So, yeah. And then, you know, he went on to basically run through that tournament like a madman, so... That was pretty crazy. <laughs> there's a there's a great there's a great interview from a press conference. Um, I, I don't know if y'all are, are basketball fans, but with um, with Janice, and it was I think it was last year when when the Bucks. I I don't I don't follow the NBA anymore, so I don't know whether they lost like they didn't make the playoffs or whether they lost in the playoffs or, mm-hmm. but but like someone asked him, do you see this season uh, as a failure? And he kind of just went, he just went off on that, on that journalist and, and he made like a lot of great points about how it, you know, it may look like a failure because we didn't win the championship, but we understand that there have been concrete and, and tangible improvements from, from the previous season. And to like have that attitude where you look at, you look at yourself or, or someone else as a failure because they didn't actually win or, you know, do the maximum it just kind of discounts all of the effort and all of like the small improvements that went in, like went into into that season, and I think that that's basically that. Like since I, I, you know, that should that should be everyone's attitude. But like, it was amazing that it was just like put into those words by one of the best athletes in the world. Oh, for sure. And yeah, and um, it, it's just like kind of that's that, that's like the attitude that I tried to to adopt, where um, just do not focus on on the time that you didn't like that you that you went to five in a challenge yeah for sure um i i I think yeah just to briefly say like continue that like i think this last rcq season was that for me because i top aided seven rc or i top eight yeah i top aided seven rcqs and didn't win one until the seventh so it was like i couldn't get over that hump of like the top four for like the longest time and so when I was playing, uh, you know, just randomly playing with um, people that I constantly see around my area, um, you know, I had them kind of like watch my games, see if I was doing anything wrong, and then they would kind of slowly give me incremental value, I guess, as opposed to being like, okay, well, if you did this right there, why didn't you do this? Things like that. Um, and then after I kind of put all those smaller things together, I ended up winning the seventh one and, and qualifying and everything like that. So that was it was really rewarding when I finally got to that. And you, and for instance, like Vega knows whenever I won that I was like super ecstatic because I had top eight so many times without actually getting over that hump. But to what you're saying on those small improvements to mean, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll get, they'll be part of the bigger picture in the end. It's like, that's huge. That's like a huge, it was a huge learning curve for me. Um, so yeah, it was definitely a long road, but yeah, I, I I'm a big fan of of the small things equal the the bigger picture. So, yeah. Oh yeah, I remember that interview. I see you just linked it. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. That was that was good. Also, I'm a huge Giannis fan. So, 
I'm not even <laughs> mm. gonna try to say his last name. Antetokounmpo. <laughs> I'm not even gonna try. Um, no, but yeah. um, yeah. Uh, so I guess I'm gonna give you some time here, Nick, to maybe you know maybe give some shout outs or talk about you know one event that really stuck with you and you know maybe it's it's what you're most proud of and um kind of let you talk a little bit about that oh yeah i mean um i guess to talk about one event specifically it was it was um i think i want to say mythic championship 2 in london and that was the first um that was the first time that i had ever been outside uh southeast asia to to attend the tournament and you know that was that was the first time outside southeast asia to to go to a tournament that was my first um like actual pro tour and um i you know i was just extremely happy to be there uh and i I went one two in the draft and then i get paired against um javier dominguez at one two in the first round of modern and i'm playing i'm playing amulet and he's playing Phoenix. I, I don't know why I decided to play Amulet, but I, I did watch like a bunch of F Palouche videos and, and like really tried my best to learn that deck. I just don't know like who convinced me. I know who convinced me. I but I, I wish I hadn't played Amulet. Anyway, so I'm playing against him and and he's just so far behind in game three, just like inc- inc- incredibly like I, I turned to him on in game two. And game three we just play like this long drawn out match that like almost leads to the turns. And you know, because he's Javier Dominguez, he's so far behind, but he just finds he just finds a line to get back into it and to win the match. And I'm I'm able to kind of figure it out later on how he did that and what mistakes I made. But just just my and then the round after that, at one three I get paired against Luis Salvato, who so I get paired against the world champ the world the world champion, and then I get paired against the player of the year. And oh I just like I just like misplay horribly against him when I just have the hive mind combo win and i tell him that i you know i messed up like i should not have lost that game and he said it's okay i played badly too even though you know he beat me like pretty easily after i made the mistake so like that was that was crazy for me because uh just like someone as someone just some from so far away from from that scene just like watching these players on on youtube and basically just like I think it would be realistic if, if I had just never been able to get to that point. It was just crazy, like, actually being able to, like, see these people in person and and, and, and meeting them. And, I don't know, the reason why I bring that up is just that, the uh, like, a lot of people would just kind of not be, would not be overawed or would not be starstruck by, by meeting these players. Because especially if you're from the States, right, like, you, you play in your local game store and SCGs, you're going to see these, like, caliber of players around all the time. But, yeah, that was just, like, my first time being in an actual like professional event that wasn't like a local gp and just having to like play against the, the best players in the world and like i i went i didn't even make day two in that in that pt but but i kind of used that as a springboard and and my goal for that was to just not be to just not be uh to just to just not care about who i was playing against ever again and yeah i mean that 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 was something that I adopted at that at that tournament, and it kind of served me well, you know, going through the set championships where I would also play against people like LSV and Huey and Reed Duke, and just be able to beat them. Of course, it's easier, I think, because you're you're online, so you don't actually like see this person. But yeah. you know, at the end of the day, everyone's just everyone is just like a magic player, and anyone can beat anyone, and that's why magic is awesome. 
And yeah, I guess to just wrap that up, just shout out to my local to my local team in the Philippines. Uh, we call ourselves the, the winners bracket, and you know, just having like locally like a group of players with the same with the same goals as me has just been awesome. Like there are a lot of great uh, Magic players in the Philippines, but but I feel like with this group uh, of my friends, like we have the, the we're some of the only players who actively want to be able to to qualify for the Pro Tour. So that that's been great, and also shout out to Worldly Council, who you know invited invited me to test with them for the for the PT. I haven't been able to go to a PT with them yet, but you know it's just great being like in the same on the same team as like legends like Dom Harvey and Mogged and Zen Takahashi and and Mengu and people like that. So yeah, shout out to them. That's yeah. Awesome. Um. Hopefully, we see you in Chicago. Yes, I I, still, <laughs> I I'm gonna I'm gonna need to get a visa for that, and if that doesn't work out, then. I'm just gonna have to start grinding RCs for another invitation, but but you know I'll, I'll try to make it happen. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, what what will happen is uh, I'll just get you a work visa through my business, and then you can just like say that we're going to do that. <laughs> and then we'll, we'll Yo, that. <laughs> yeah, I mean my my girlfriend is a is a U.S. citizen, and oh, you know, okay. we, we have. We have, we're not above making the joke of like, why don't I just, why don't we just get married now for the green card? So yeah. I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so like, where where can people find you? Like on on Twitter or uh, do you stream? Do you stream at all? No, I don't think so. Right. I, I I do not, but you can you can find me on Twitter at inextradmtg. Yeah, I mean, I post a lot about limited and like what, what decks I played in challenges and. And a lot of magic online salt. <laughs> yes, it's the the best content for sure. Oh, hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yes. we'll make sure to um, we'll add your socials, of course, and um, yeah, man, thank we'll you. A hundred percent. And um, yeah, thank you so much for joining us, and you know, for taking time out of your morning, uh, to to be with us, and we do truly appreciate it. You're an awesome guy. You're killing it. Um, just keep it up and you know hopefully we'll see you in in chicago that'd be that'd be super dope man yeah thanks i mean shout out to you guys as well like i I will say that as salty as magic online chat can be i think that a lot of the 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 best people i've met and people that i've actually tested with you know i've met them properly like through having like a positive magic online chat like interaction and 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 yeah i mean that's how that's how we met right like we we were playing in the in the in the modern event and we just had like a like a nice chat and it went from there and i think that uh yeah the last thing i'll say about that is that magic online you know has a lot of negative aspects in terms of like how salty people can be but you can also just have like a good conversation about like the matchup about deck choice and stuff like that just with your opponent and you know things cool things can can happen from that oh yeah that's why i like the community of, of magic in general it's awesome yeah yeah thank you yeah, no problem yeah. at all. And again, thank you guys so much for listening to episode number 23 of the Completed Podcast. We do appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, make sure to go drop a follow uh, to Nick on Twitter and follow his socials. Like you said, you'll get the premium MTGO salt. So uh, make sure to go check him out. Awesome guy. Uh, great grinder. And uh, we're, we're excited to see great things from him. So yeah, hope you guys have a good rest of your week and we will see you guys in next week's episode. Goodbye, everyone.